Hello, free thinkers. I'm Mickey Z, and I welcome you to Post Woke, the New York City-based podcast where we practice intellectual self-defense. Never, I'm tempted to like do what people tell me I'm supposed to do to get picked up by the algorithms and get more traffic, I stop and I ask myself, like, when did traffic to my profiles become more important to me than expressing the truth of my heart? And if this place does not support the expression of truth that comes from the heart, well, I'm going to have to think long and hard about my relationship to this platform. Yes, that was Alison Gray best friend of the podcast. And if you're new to Post Woke and you're not familiar with Allison, please be sure to check the show notes to find all the relevant links to learn about her. And in fact, even if you're not new, check out the links in there because you're going to want to check out her writing, her music, and more. And I will be back with the full conversation between Allison and I right after this short word from our sponsor. Hey, Mickey Z here, and I'm asking you to offer some support for a project that I've been running for nearly six years. It's called Helping Homeless Women NYC. And as the name implies, I've been getting out there on the streets for, like I said, nearly six years to offer direct relief to some of the most vulnerable yet fiercest women you'll ever want to meet. If you check the show notes, you will find a direct link for how to donate at GoFundMe. If you're interested in becoming a Patreon patron or in ordering uh, restaurant gift cards directly from my wish list, shoot me an email and I'll send you that information. But I'm just requesting some support, thanking you in advance and asking you no matter what to please share the link far and wide. And now let's get back to the show. And I'm here with best friend of the podcast, Allison Gray. Allison, welcome back to Post Woke. Hi. For the 10 billionth time. <laughs> so many episodes together. But what I really need to ask you right off the bat, have you heard what everybody's saying about Lizzo? <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> yes. <laughs> now, I'm being facetious, of course, because I have I had to look up what all the news about Lizzo is or was. But it's something that Allison and I have talked about off the air. And notice that there's this trend where people say this sentence. Everyone is talking about blank, but the reality is that really nobody's talking about blank, whatever it might be. It's a media manipulation to create false conflicts and distractions. And in this case, just whatever Lizzo did or didn't do, needless to say, hardly matters in the least. But Let's use that as a starting point and see where it takes us. What, what, what are you thinking about this trend where, the, where everyone is saying this or doing this, but in reality they're not, but then before you know it, they are because they're responding to this false prompt? Oh, yeah. It, it, it seems so transparent to me. And I'm not saying that nobody is talking about Lizzo, but lately with 
high profile news stories or pop culture stories, I notice that most of the time when I by the time I hear about a current event or some hot gossip or whatever, by the time I hear about it, what I'm hearing people say is, I can't believe everybody's saying X, Y, Z. I can't believe everybody feels this way. And it's like, who's everybody? Because prior <laughs> to this moment, I hadn't heard about this happening. And so, I mean, Lizzo, her playing the crystal flute was one example. People, I saw people on my newsfeed saying, oh my God, I can't believe people are mad that Lizzo played a crystal flute. Like, you guys are just racist. And then on the <laughs> other side of things, I saw... Um, uh, actually, no. The other example I was going to give was um, The Little Mermaid. I hear so many people saying, oh, my God, I can't believe everybody's mad that this mermaid is going to be black. Like, But I, I personally, personally, I have not seen anybody criticize the casting decision, at least not that I know. I'm sure there are racists out there who are mad about a black mermaid. But then there are also a handful of people who just want consistency between the animated version and the live version and it's kind of a benign desire i don't perceive that as a racist uh wish on their part necessarily but in any case the narrative that's being driven around these these um hot topics is that oh my god can you believe all of these people feel this way what's your opinion on it you need to fight back against all of this bigotry that's being spread all over the internet and it it just strikes me as um, the kind of thing that uh, an entertainment industry mogul would do to build the brand of their client. So whether that's the the movie being hyped up so that more people will pay to see it or Lizzo's brand being built because she's a recording artist who makes plenty of money for her team. There's always someone who benefits from generating fake drama that didn't exist yeah. prior to people saying there's drama. <laughs> Yeah, and, and to give other examples, there would be big tech, which just wants you to never get offline. So mm. now, now you have a, a thread of alleged racist versus alleged alleged wokesters, because the wokesters are going to get pissed about this, and and because they they are imagining that they have this this wall of opposition against their desire to virtue signal by supporting a person of color having a traditionally, I guess, white, I don't even, I can't really say I know much about the Little Mermaid. So, and then, and then in simultaneously, these stories all throughout history serve as a really powerful distraction so that we're not paying attention to all the other um, things that are going on in the world that truly impact us. Like mm. it's difficult for me to come up with a single way that Lizzo's flute or who plays the little mermaid impacts my life in <laughs> one iota. But, but if we're, if we're talking about people instituting digital ID and in my, my city of New York becoming more and more a quote unquote smart city, you know, my building, for example, has smart meters in it now. Mm. So, which means I had no control over that. I'm not the landlord, but which means that the, the, the um, electric company theoretically can turn it on and off at, at its own uh, whims. And that's the goal of these smart cities that, to, that in the name of fighting climate change, they can tell us if you freeze in the winter and you sweat in the summer because it's good for the world. So no one said, everyone's talking about, I can't believe people are talking about smart cities. I never hear that one. <laughs> but, but, so it's, so, so like you said, it's going to build her brand 
and then it's going to keep big tech happy by just more data to collect from all of I, us. I was going to say that I was going to when you mentioned smart meters, I was like, oh, you know who else benefits from generating this false drama? It's it's the uh, it's Big Brother collecting information on yeah. what we believe, um, who we're willing to criticize, who we stand against, who we stand with. And uh, it reminds me, I actually recently got a prompt showing up on my Facebook newsfeed asking me to take a quick survey. And out of curiosity, I clicked on it. And the questions were basically about my feelings towards Facebook. And and there's two parts to this story. So it was it would ask me things like, do you find Facebook useful for staying in touch with acquaintances? Do you find Facebook um, fun to use? Do you find Facebook easy to use? Uh, and then one of the questions was, um, do you think Facebook is good for the world? And then by the time I got to that question, it dawned on me like, wait a second, I shouldn't be telling them how I actually feel um because there, this is this is going to go on my record you know what i mean um not that i won't tell the truth if it goes on my record but i'd just rather not give them that and then the other part of of the effect that this had on me was i realized um my answer to all of those questions was no and yet here i was still using facebook like it was asking me um do i do i primarily communicate with people on facebook and stay in touch with them in this way and the answer was no. Do I enjoy using it? No. Um, do I find it easy to use? No. Like the and and um, then I stood back and I was like, wait, then why am I here? <laughs> and yeah. in a way, I think Facebook's attempt to pretend that it cares about my preferences as a user of its services actually ended up making me realize I don't want to use its services. So thanks, Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> but but imagine how many other people felt similar and are going to stay on Facebook mm. and then the data they're collecting is that it doesn't really matter what we do to them because they're going to keep coming back. Like they can answer, you can have the vast majority of people answer the questions as you did. I don't think Facebook is good for the world. I don't, I don't think it's good for me. And then the last question is, would, are you leaving Facebook? No. And then they'll be like, mm. oh, so what's our motivation to, to do <laughs> anything? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Well, addiction is our motivation. Facebook's motivation is pretty much zero to make our user experience better because why why bother? Because even when it sucks, we don't leave. Mm. And so it, it in fact, we don't leave because it sucks. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> oh, no, I'm calling my I'm telling on myself right now. <laughs> dragging yourself yeah and and then to connect it um that the smart city concept and then going back to lizzo the joke to open this it's like the more we surrender this um access this control to this digital world there may there could be their goal might be that there's a time that when if you criticize Lizzo online, you could be punished and lose access online. So, which mm -hmm. again brings me back to the point where there is there there are really important issues that are worth banding about and even doing so using these mediums because it is a way to stay in touch. But at the same time, I'm not you know it could sound like a curmudgeon that you can't follow pop culture, and we're certainly not saying that. It's just it's like kind of keeping things in perspective. But perhaps most importantly, just always recognizing that when something happens, and I can remember you and I having a long conversation about this way earlier this year with the famous Will Smith slap, when something happens, it's part of an agenda mm -hmm. and it really benefits you to step back and say, all right, who's, who's 
gaining here? Who's losing? What are their goals? And how can I remain at least relatively aloof from this and protect myself while not while not withdrawing from society at the same time, which is a delicate balance, but certainly worth it. Oh, yeah, I, I agree with every point. And um, I don't think I know we say this a lot in conversations of this nature, but it really can't be said too much. Um, I don't think most people realize how easily manipulated they are. And I, I, I'm saying this after having just called myself out for using Facebook, even though I know I hate it. Um, and which actually kind of leads me into some of what binds us to the things we don't like that we say we want to change, but we're not making meaningful efforts to do so. Like um, recently, one of my favorite artists, IMX, he's a musician who's very grassroots, very DIY. He and his team decided they're done with pandering to the algorithmic curation of Facebook and Instagram, you know, having spent so many years in the music world, building an audience from scratch and connecting with everybody only to eventually find themselves not even able to reach that audience that they built whenever they would post on Instagram because the, the algorithm changed the rules again. Um, he got fed up and has been announcing his departure, making sure that everybody sees it. Um, he's going to Patreon where he can continue connecting with everybody, but without um, some algorithm being the middleman who separates him from his audience. And and I really admired that move. It, it's so bold. You know, he, he outlined his values. He explained why he ultimately arrived at this decision. And there were some fans who were upset with him. Um, in the comments, I was reading some people saying, you can't do this. Like some of us can't afford to be on your Patreon and, and still want to connect with you. And um, he answered that pretty gracefully, in my opinion. You know, he did introduce a super low tier on Patreon so that people who couldn't join before could now join. But at, at some point, we're going to have to ask ourselves, all artists are going to have to ask ourselves, how much do I value what I say I value and what am I willing to give up? to live by my values, even if that means making some people mad and making some people feel like um, they're losing me because I'm going somewhere else now. You know, it, it, it really got me thinking about a lot of things, but particularly what it means in this digital age to choose your values over what social media um, says that you need. Because we're, we're all told that we need to be on Facebook. We need to be on TikTok and all of these platforms if we want to reach people. But do we is the question I'm starting to ask myself as um, a kind of frustrated musician myself. Yeah, asking that question forces you to confront the addiction issue, right? It, it, mm. It's like any other addiction, any other addiction, whether it's substance abuse or gambling or pornography, like people will say, I don't really need this. I could stop at any time. And we sound like that when we talk about Facebook. Where, you know, well, then why don't you, you know, right. you, you it, it, it crosses your barrier, you know, it goes against your beliefs and it's the algorithm keeps you away from the people you want to reach and et cetera, et cetera. But yet we're still on there. So I, you know, I think a couple of interviews ago, we talked a lot about social media and I feel like we're, we're moving in that direction. And, and the IMX example is very inspirational. If you get, if you, Give me the link to his Patreon. We'll include that in the um, oh, yeah. in, in the show notes so people could check it out. And I think that's a very graceful choice because Patreon, you could have a $1 tier if you want. And, right. and it's not like he's not creating content. You know, he's not asking you pay a dollar just to hear 
just to see what I type. Like this is a right. professional musician and you know, it, it, I can relate as a podcaster where I'm asking people to, to subscribe to post woke. Uh, it's because I'm creating content on a daily basis between my writing and the podcasting and IMX has been doing it a long time. It seems like a fair, a very, very fair trade-off. It's, it's, um, and it's it's creating your own algorithm, and I feel mm -hmm. to some degree that Substack is where that's at now. You know, it's it's it, I if you subscribe to me, you're in the algorithm. You're going to get the email every single time I post, which is every single day. And it's not a matter of like, oh, I had no idea you posted. Well, if you don't check your email, you won't know. But it, on Facebook, someone that knows each other as well as you and I. There'll be times where you might mention something you post, and I'll be like, I never saw that. And you would think that Facebook by now would catch on that I'd like to see your posts, but it's, <laughs> they have some ulterior motive where they don't. So I like this idea of of artists and any any type of content creation um, looking for alternative ways to 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 basically be their own algorithm. Yeah, it's all about boundaries and it ties back into what we started this conversation with. You know, if you have poor boundaries, um, you're not going to know how to say no to a conversation you don't want to have. Like if ever, if quote unquote, everybody is talking about Lizzo, you're going to feel pressure to join the conversation. If even if you find it boring, even if you don't agree with what everyone else is saying, you're going to kind of go with that current. You're going to let it carry you to somewhere mm. you don't want to go. And then if you have strong boundaries, you're going to say, you know what? I want to make myself only accessible to people who are putting an equal effort to maintain some sort of connection with me, whether that's a fan artist relationship or a friendship. You know, I think we all know that this point has been belabored into oblivion that friendship on Facebook is not always real. Like you can have a sincere connection with someone on Facebook, but the majority of most people's friends lists is comprised of people who are just kind of there because no one really has a reason to cut each other off, but you're not really friends either. And so you find yourself inundated with information about people from like middle school or high school who are not in your life anymore. You don't communicate with them anymore, but for some reason, you know that their aunt is in the hospital right now. And like, how much can your psyche really handle that much engagement with people who like who staying connected to them gives you nothing feeds your soul in no way whatsoever so i actually as i'm talking i'm talking myself into <laughs> going the way of um you know bandcamp i actually am setting up a bandcamp for my music and it's exciting because i'm making things with the knowledge that i'm making it for people who support my art so much that they want to they want to um, put their money where their mouth is, so to speak, and see what I do behind the scenes and, and see my process and hear the songs that I don't release on public platforms, like, you know, to actually build a supportive mutual connection with me that I'd rather have that than a thousand something friends on Facebook who don't know me. And frankly, probably a lot of them don't like me. You know, like, let's be real. There's a lot of like evil eye on the internet. And um, yeah, I think I could, uh, I'll drop it there before I start talking about interdimensional clowns or something. <laughs> well, you, you did mention your music and I, 
I do want to come back to that because mm-hmm. the last time we spoke was right after your album came out and I don't want to neglect that conversation. So right. let's, let's just put a pin in that. And before we wrap up, I w- I'd like you to, to tell us more about the Bandcamp subscriptions and, and the secret songs and all that stuff. So let's, let's, let's definitely get to that. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I agree with you where it's, it's, um, they're like, I speaking for myself because of the last two, two, nearly what is two and a half plus years. Um, a lot of people who I was Facebook friends with, who I was friends also in real life, I'm no longer Facebook friends with because of the of the schisms related to all the lockdowns and the vaccines and so on. So um, I have connected with a lot of cool people, but I don't really know them. And and it, the, some of them seem to be regulars on my wall, but to it seems it's tough to call each other friends because we don't really know each other. And I'm not someone who shares my private life on social media. So it's, it is, it, as we're talking, I feel like it's, it's so bizarre to, that I'm still on there, <laughs> but, but I, it's, I do share my Substack stuff on there, but again, it's, it's, it's a crapshoot as to whether people see it. And so probably my, my favorite thing to do on Facebook, which I'll defend to the death is that is sharing memes because it's kind <laughs> of just, it's just fun and laughter and silliness and people seem to like that. And it's enough to keep me on there. But what I, what I am very, very much aiming for is to keep the bulk of my content um, and my audience at Substack, and that's my goal. I don't know if I would need to deactivate or delete Facebook because I do like the memes, but uh, I do find myself. You, you were talking about like hearing from your um, or knowing about your grade school friends. It it's I recently reshared an article that I wrote in which this inundation with with information, and in many cases. Um, very challenging information on top of the repressive laws and inflation. It, it creates a, 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 what Matthias Desmond would call free-floating anxiety, but we're, we're in this state of anxiety where stress hormones are flowing because we're in fight or flight, but we don't really know why because we're overwhelmed with information and it creates a cognitive mm. de- um, deficit. It's a proven fact that that human beings in that state, they're not really cognitively focused because they're just trying to survive. And then we become more malleable and pliable to the powers that shouldn't be. So if, if people needed a, um, a more geopolitical, sociopolitical reason to question um, their, their behavior online. It is that it is playing very much into the hands where they want us wasting time fighting over Lizzo, but also just wasting time, period, because mm. for them, it puts us in this place where we're, we're just stressed. Like you get off the computer and you need time to almost decompress from it because of all the amount of information and also possibly negative interactions that you have and this is a, this is within our control like we we i'm not i don't think either one of us is demanding everybody leave uh, facebook twitter no. and instagram uh, but the all of us ourselves included would benefit greatly from working diligently to find a healthier balance yeah, I think there's something to be said about intentionality and being deliberate when you choose to do something because I catch myself reaching for my phone to check Instagram. That's my personal drug of choice. It's Instagram. Um, I, I, I find myself reaching for it without realizing that that's what I'm doing. Like, I'll be 
bored. And then next thing I know, I'm staring at the screen. I'm like, when did I pick up my phone? Like, I, <laughs> I don't remember that happening. And, um, I, I have made strides personally to be, um, more careful what I expose myself to on Instagram. So if I notice that I'm feeling bitter while I'm scrolling and I realize, oh, the reason is because I'm seeing a bunch of posts in a row about like Billie Eilish. I don't know why Instagram decided I'm a Billie Eilish fan, but I see so much content from Billie Eilish fan pages. It's insane. So I've gotten into the habit of like clicking not interested every time I see a Billie Eilish post in the hopes that the algorithm will show me less of it, which it's been working. Like I do see less of it. Um, and then um, I also actively follow accounts that are really uplifting and encouraging so that if I'm going to be habitually scrolling, at least let me be seeing things that um, make me feel like uh, more empowered you know like i follow a lot of manifestation mm. accounts and things like that it's almost like an attempt at positive brainwashing um but the point being uh, i forget who said this but um if you're gonna do something do it with your whole heart like you know if i'm gonna be on instagram or facebook let me at least try to make an effort to be mindful of what I post, the kind of effect I might be having on the people who encounter my posts. And also let me constantly keep myself in check about what it is that I'm seeking from the platform. Like, am I counting likes? Am I checking constantly to see how many likes I got? And if so, did I post what I posted because I because it was true and I was authentically expressing myself or did I post it because I was low-key hoping this would like boost my profile you know and the same goes for art did you make the art because it was a, a spontaneous and true expression of yourself or did you make it because you hoped it would um, appeal to the mainstream and and all of the people talking about Lizzo <laughs> that's a really really valuable point or <laughs> the, the, the dual points of like of of taking stock and being introspective to figure out why you post what you post, what's your motivation, and then the consciously seeking out counterbalancing content, which is something that you and I have been talking about also where whatever group we wind up in, and I'll speak for myself here, where if, where where I was part of, uh, of the left, I was I won't list all the groups. I don't want to offend everybody at this point, but different groups that I was in, you would meet people who ostensibly are trying to fight for some form of sustainable, positive social change. But the, the, inf the energy you get from them is that they're addicted to being the opposition and almost seem to not be able to visualize um, what change or winning would look like. Mm. And, when you're talking about consciously, like if your algorithm is feeding you over and over, let's use Facebook as an example. If you go down your newsfeed and it's just post after post from Facebook friends who are just gloom and doom, gloom and doom, gloom and doom, you can follow pages that don't do that. Like you mentioned, these upbeat pages, these manifesting pages, the, these pages that are more philosophical that are going to counterbalance it and then your brain is not being overwhelmed with a perception that it's not even worth trying like why are you bothering we're all going to be digital slaves eating crickets if, if i believed my newsfeed <laughs> that's what i would think because the the, it, the collective consciousness of my newsfeed is telling me that the world economic forum and the bill gates foundation um 
are insurmountable and they have this plan and there's nothing we can do. And well, yeah, absolutely well, not. Yeah. Well-meaning people will, will endorse that. And the, the, the counter to that is twofold. If I'm, if, see if you agree with me is the seeking out of different content, but more importantly, being the creator who, who posts and shares and writes their own stuff too, to counter that and not confrontationally, but just to, to say there, there is, there's infinite numbers of perspectives in the world and we don't want to occupy a paucity of imagination and only think that there's, um, two options and this is, this is all that can happen. And I, and I know that's something that you're dedicated to on your social media accounts of, of, of inspiring people to, uh, to recognize how much power they have. Oh yeah. As you were talking um, about like the way people get immersed in negative narratives and don't even realize it. Um, what came to mind was something I wrote on hologram press a little while back when I first started noticing that, people would all be talking about the same stuff at the same time um like the will smith thing or or like on tiktok people will all use the same trending audio on their videos or there are these like robot prompts on tiktok and it'll say something like pair this audio with the last video you took on your phone and then People, that that one soundbite will go viral because like then 10,000 people will make a video where they just post the last video on their phone because the robot voice told them to. And it, it's, my God, it disturbs me so much that people are being groomed to take orders from robot voices and they don't even realize mm -hmm. that that's what's happening. Um, or to just, you know, think about what the newsfeed tells them to think about. And um, again, not saying I'm never guilty of that, but, it, you know, once you notice it, you can't unnotice it and then you it's your responsibility to take steps away from it so i on hologram press i wrote um that metaverse is the land of no imagination because i hardly see anything original anymore and i'm not saying originality is necessarily good but when there's a lack of it in the world you know something's wrong <laughs> like if everybody is making videos with the same robot voice narrating it or if everybody's talking about will smith but nobody knows will smith personally or has been affected directly by him in any way then something like we are spiritually sick as a collective and um i think originality or you know just the impetus to talk about something that is important to you specifically is at, at the very least an indicator that you still have, should I say a spine? Is that mean? But like, or, you know, let me not say a spine. It's not necessarily about courage, but um, that you are not entirely governed by outside influences, but that you have some sort of shining light within yourself that's that's driving your actions. Um, yeah, self-awareness. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, that you still have driving desires you still have a sense of purpose originality is like a byproduct of that and um so whenever i'm tempted to like do what people tell me i'm supposed to do to get picked up by the algorithms and get more traffic i stop and i ask myself like when did traffic to my profiles become more important to me than expressing the truth of my heart and if this place does not support the expression of truth that comes from the heart well i'm gonna have to think long and hard about my relationship to this platform um and i i encourage everyone to also if you don't mind me veering into kind of a uh, second layer of thoughts about this um 
I was recently thinking, and I know this is going to sound totally out of left field, but I was recently <laughs> thinking, you know me, um, at least it's not interdimensional clowns, but um, yet, <laughs> or is it? Um, I'll, I'll let your listeners decide. But I was recently thinking about like the radical feminist treatment of porn addiction. Um, and how their go-to method for trying to educate people about the horrors of porn is almost like to just guilt trip people. Like, don't you know these women are being trafficked? How could you still jerk off to women being trafficked? And and there's no acknowledgement of how very real addiction is. Like, it's not enough to just tell people all the reasons this place is bad. It's like, or like you're a bad person for being addicted to this awful thing. It's like, well, that's not going to make a person feel inspired and empowered to change their habits, that you're not giving them the resources and the guidance to figure out how to stop being addicted to this. That I'm sure when people realize that they're, you know, they're they're masturbating to abuse images, they're, most people who have a heart and a conscience are just going to feel bad on top of not being able to physically stop the compulsion to go searching for that stimulant. So... Um, I was thinking, well, then what would it take to stop be people from watching porn? And I can speak to this personally because I I was exposed to pornography very, very young. And so it, it became habitual on and off throughout my life. And when I was taking the approach of trying to guilt trip myself out of watching it, it never worked. But what did work ultimately um, you know, the past few times I tried to watch porn, I just didn't feel anything. And I credit that to going inward and really learning how to use my imagination again. Um, I don't mean to get too explicit with your listeners, but you know, I, what I came to realize was that what porn had done was it had replaced my imagination. And so instead of finding out what I like internally, and learning what pleasure is in a really real way, I had outsourced that responsibility and that thinking process to the robots who like, you know, offer up videos like, hey, will you like this? What about this? And um, I think the same applies to social media addiction. I think the more you develop the inner world and you start finding your own imagination, your own daydreams entertaining, you won't necessarily feel as compelled to go searching for stimulation from the simulation, <laughs> um, I think it, it just will be a natural byproduct of your inner world development that you'll find the outer world or specifically the virtual world less interesting. Um, I like that a lot. That, that I wasn't sure what the connection was going to be, but that is a fantastic connection. I'm glad I managed to make it because imagine <laughs> if I had just gone off the rails with that. <laughs> <laughs> you were teetering there, but um, but I think it was a it was a valid comparison and what what i what i've enjoyed about say like we for a while there we were we we kind of were um just ragging on social media and ourselves for being on there and falling in a way into a trap where the guilt tripping and the shame and since then talking about creating your own content seeking out positive content to balance out what's on your news feed and then being more intentional about um, connecting with your inner desires, whatever in any realm and imagination. And then therefore these artificial worlds can't stand up to that. We just laid out a mm -hmm. bunch of different things where it's not a binary decision. You're either on social media or you're not, because if that's what you give people, they're going to stay on because right. the fear of missing out 
is massive. And I'm, I'm speaking from experience. I'm not, I was off social media for years. And then I came back during the pandemic and I can't fully explain it. I mean, I can, I can explain it away by saying, well, here in New York, everybody was isolated. It was a chance to interact with people. And there's some truth to that, but it also could have just been like, the whole world is changing and I'm not part of the conversation. I need to get back on there. And by just this, some of the brainstorming that we've been doing here, I'm thinking to myself, yeah, it's not a dichotomy that you're bad if you're on and you're you're enlightened if you're off. That's that that's unproductive. But if we say to ourselves, there are um, intelligent, intense, intentional ways to straddle these lines where we don't become too extreme in either direction. And people have valid reasons to be on Facebook. There's people are parts of groups that are really important to them. And so uh, to demonize it is, is unproductive mm -hmm. as you were talking when you're comparing it to the Radfems. It's no, nobody wants to be lectured in that sense, but I think every single person I know wants to find ways to have a healthier, more productive relationship with the, uh, the internet in general and social media in particular, and I, and how you just wrapped up there seems to be um, really a great starting point for some self-exploration. But Yeah, um, it, it ties into my recent contemplations of magic. And, you know, I, as you know, I'm a magician and um, I'm of a school of thought that posits that the, uh, you know, the imagination is where magic stems from. It's not your fancy crystal wand. It's not that you did your ritual under the full moon. You don't need any of that stuff. You just need to learn how to go inward, enter that point of, of consciousness where anything is possible, as we call it, the zero point of pure potential. And that's where you go and envision the life you desire. And it, then it kind of ripples out from your center. So I was realizing the mechanics behind it are that you actually have to develop your inner world. Like if you are someone who currently has kind of like dull inner vision, like you don't have very vivid thoughts or clear thoughts, maybe you have brain fog, then that means you you haven't been spending enough time developing your inner world. And so, you know, meditation is good for that. It's good for strengthening your basically your ability to think and and to envision and feel inside of yourself and from there, um, it becomes easier to exert conscious influence on your reality using just your thoughts and your feelings alone. And um, I mean, Joe Dispenza goes into great detail about how that process works, if anybody is curious. But it, it ties in here that as I as I question my relationship to social media, um, it's the same as my contemplations of my relationship to magic. Like when I find myself complaining that, oh, something I wanted didn't manifest the way I wanted it. Then the next question I have to ask myself as a magician who holds yourself accountable is, well, how much time did I really spend in my inner world? Did I, did I meditate for 15 minutes and maybe out of that 15 minutes, only one minute of it was actually vivid and clear? Because if so, then next time I meditate, it's got to be for an hour. <laughs> and like, you know, you don't go easy on yourself if you if you really want the freedom that comes from being able to access the zero point at will, you actually have to take the time to spend time inside of your mind, not outsourcing your thinking to the screen. So that's what I would offer at, as we come to a close on this conversation. Yeah. It, and it serves by definition if you're spending that much time meditating, besides all the benefits you just listed, it is time that you're not online. Mm -hmm. and, and if people are saying, well, 
what do I do? I'm so I'm so used to being online. What do I do? Well, you just gave them a starting point there. Um, now we're getting close to wrapping up, so I want to briefly, but make sure we get this information in. It's been about what five or six weeks since we spoke when Run Rabbit Run, your debut album, My was baby. released. And um, if you want to just share briefly a little bit about how it's gone and in particular let people know what's coming next and like you mentioned um being able to create again an algorithm of your own on bandcamp so just give us a a, a quick outline as to where you're at um five or six weeks out from the debut of your mute um run rabbit run yeah well uh, oh my god there's so much that happened that took me by pleasant surprise like i got way more support on bandcamp than i expected i mean it was my first time having total strangers by my album and i i don't know where they came from how they found me but it, it really reminded me that you never know who notices you you never know who you're connected to and don't let the social media numbers fool you like it, it you know we're all spiritually connected and that is far more rewarding and substantial than any virtual connection could ever be and um i also uh pray animal one of the songs on the album got recognized by this local music uh, company in my town that just like recognizes local talent and so they chose Prey Animal as their official selection for September um, and I've got a music video coming out soon because and I, oh my god it, it's so important to me this music video because I first envisioned it in January and then followed the signs and synchronicities to this local filmmaker who ended up being such a joy to work with oh my god it, the first day of filming was easily one of the best days of my entire life we had so much fun and so that's in production right now and i can honestly say it is i really did make a work of art in the way i approached the music video and that's why i'm especially excited to share it i wasn't you know because there's there's a sort of template for modern music videos you got to be super colorful have all these like you know, big, have this big production budget, you got to be really sexy, you know, sex sells. And, and there are these pressures that come with putting a music video out there. But I really just wanted to make a story, a visual story, an immersive experience. And I got to do that. And it was a dream come true. So that is coming out soon. And it's also going to be premiering at um, a local fashion expo in November. So I've got a lot lined up soon. And, and I'm just so excited. I, I'm Aww. so grateful I get to make art and um that people want to engage with my art i that's that's a gift that they give me you know it's not just that i'm creating for them just by receiving what i create i feel like they're giving me a gift too and it's it's so sacred and i'm glad for this conversation which reminds me of the importance of remembering how sacred this ability to connect with others is and and to hold myself accountable for using these platforms as wisely as i can Oh, thank you for that. And and as you know, I'm coming up on a one year anniversary of this podcast. So mm -hmm. you were on the first episode. So um, anyone who's been listening all along, but certainly myself, just to witness this process of when you were first talking about in the first episode about how you were blocked musically and the wow. steps you were taking here we are nearly a year later where you're talking about the the rec the music sales the um video coming out and all that it's just been wonderful and insp inspirational to see what can be done when you are um, following your heart and you're truly intentional in your work so i hope people listening will will um will also be inspired by that and i'd be curious to hear 
um, what other people do, uh, and they could put this in the comments, I'd be curious to hear what other people do to balance out their social media use, where if they decide, no, I want to be on one or more of these platforms, how do they do so mindfully that they that they're not giving away too much of their time and 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 you know sacred energy, but yet making the connections and making the steps that feel important to them? Because that's how we do. That we're going to learn from each other. Because you know, big tech is targeting all of us. And the more we talk about these things, the stronger we become in using their tools against them. So I, mm. I agree with you. This is a valuable conversation. And, and, um, as always, I, I appreciate you being on and, and, uh, I will put all the relevant notes in the show in the in, in links in the show notes. And thank you as always, Allison. Thank you, Mickey. Love you so much. Love you too. I'll be right back with my story of the week right after one more word from our sponsor. Hey, Mickey Z again. I trust you're enjoying this episode. And if so, I would really, really appreciate it if you would become a paid subscriber for just $5 a month less than 17 cents a day, you can support this Substack and this podcast. Your help is essential and it's crucial and it's you who keeps this project going and growing. So thank you for listening. Thank you in advance for becoming a paid subscriber and please spread the word. And while you're at it, please check the show notes for a link to a really kick-ass post-woke t-shirt. The sales have been going up People are out there showing off what their favorite podcast is, and now it's time for you to join the team. So once again, thank you in advance, and let's get back to the show. October 16th, just a few days from when I'm actually recording this, marks six full years since I started helping homeless women NYC. Now, earlier in the podcast, you heard the promo for that. The, links, the link is in the show notes. But my story this episode is going to be related to that project as a way to let you know the type of things that happen over these six years and hopefully encourage you to to donate, and even as importantly, to share the link far and wide. Now, this anecdote happened at least four years ago, possibly more. And it has to do with a woman named Raquel, who I used to see on a regular basis in Manhattan and help her as much as I could. So um, this particular day, as I approached her from a distance, I could see a tall, well-dressed man standing over her, and he seemed to be aggressively talking and gesturing at her. So I walked up slowly to try assessing the situation, but Raquel saw, saw me and instantly exclaimed, I'm so glad you're here, Mickey. This man won't leave me alone about God and lecturing me, and now he's harassing me. So me and the man made eye contact, and I gave him the once over. He was much younger than me and much bigger than me, and he wore an emotionless expression. Needless to say, I chose my calmest voice as I stated, You heard the woman. I just want to talk to her, he replied. Raquel, seemingly emboldened by my presence, got to her feet and balled her hands into fists. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want you or anyone to tell me what God thinks of me. Get the fuck out of here, man. Don't think I won't punch you. Suddenly, I shifted myself between them and faced the man who said to me, 
I'm just trying to edify her. All I want to do is talk to her. Raquel started yelling about his use of the word edify, so I took my shot to end this before further escalation. I calmly said to him, she's made it clear that she doesn't want you to talk to her or even be in her space. You may say you just want to talk, but what you're actually doing is harassing her. I paused while he stared at me blankly. Then I continued, so I strongly suggest you walk away right now and you never come back. I could practically smell the wheels turning in his head as he weighed his options. Then he saved face by calling Raquel crazy before storming off. Raquel sat down and I got to the business of giving her what I had brought for her. A homeless man wandered past. Raquel knows him, knows him well, actually, and thus he, she replayed for him the entire story. And this is how she ended it. I'm lucky Mickey came along. He told that punk to leave, and he knew better than to stick around. You don't fuck with Mickey. He's gangster. In my head, I was hysterical laughing, because if gangster suddenly means introverted goofball, well, Rochelle, Raquel sure knows me well. Now, from there, I walked a couple of blocks, and I found Bree, a woman I used to help, who thankfully has been reunited with her family and is in a better situation. As far as I know, we've lost touch because she's no longer on the street. She is a double leg amputee in a wheelchair. And at the time she was living in a medical shelter. She really looked down that, that particular day. So I asked her about it and it turns out some asshole dude screamed at her in front of a ton of passersby calling her lazy and saying she needs to get a job. He humiliated me and I started crying, Bree said. I almost gave up and left for the day. I stayed with Bree for at least 10 or 15 minutes just listening to her. And as I started to leave, she said, I'm glad I stayed. You made me feel better. You always make my day. So let these two anecdotes, two of thousands that I have, remind you that there is always good and important work to be done if you pay close attention and you allow yourself to see and to listen to find out how you can help, being a different person in each situation. Because all you really got to do is keep your guard up. <music>